In today's episode of Men's Bible Study, Pastor John Mark Caton starts a new series entitled Five Pillars of Biblical Manhood. John Mark teaches the lesson of being on your guard from Samson's epic failure. Now let's hear from Pastor John Mark. Uh, it's good to see you guys this morning and uh, get to dive back into uh, uh, God's Word as we begin a new series today entitled Five Pillars of Authentic Manhood. Uh, you know, as we make our journey in uh, these days and we always think about uh, what is happening, whether it's football or uh, whether it's work or whether it's family, whether it's life, whatever it is, uh, we really, I, I believe the greatest heart's desire, our greatest heart's desire is to live as authentic men and as real men and as good men. But I also think one of the hardest things to do is for us to live like we all want to live. I want you to know as a pastor now for over 26 years, uh, I have never lived up to, not one day, I've never lived up, lived up to in my mind the pastor I want to be. How many of you understand what I'm talking about? Have you ever really lived up to? Not even in your, yeah, there might be those moments. How many of us have those moments? We all have those seasons uh, that, that I'm the husband I want to be for a moment. I've been the dad I want to be for a moment. I've been a lot of things I want to be for a moment, but it's just hard, right? Because I know in my mind that I can be better. How many of you, honestly, how many of you know you can be better? You can be better in your friendships. You can be better in your faithfulness to God. You can be better in your Bible study. We all know that, right? And, and so as we come over these next, two week, next couple of weeks to... Uh, the idea of five pillars of biblical manhood. We're just going to put these out and we're going to look at guys in Scripture who completely failed in an aspect. And uh, there are going to be things that we will glean even from those who fell in God's Word. And that's the beauty of God's Word is that uh, it doesn't sugarcoat everything. Not everything's whitewashed. I mean, it tells us the real stuff. Here was how God called this man to be and this is how he failed. Then we're going to turn that same pillar around and say, and this is a guy that succeeded well and became everything God wanted him to be. But at the same time, none of those guys, even as we look in Scripture, did it perfectly. The Apostle Paul didn't do it perfectly. Samson didn't do it perfectly. No one really did it perfectly. So the challenge for us is to be reminded, I heard a quote a number of years ago that says, you know, for us as men that God never promised us the journey would be easy, but he did promise us that the destination would be worthwhile. You know, our journey is not always going to be easy, guys, but the destination will always be worthwhile. And so we're going to come back to this verse, this whole series, Five Pillars of Biblical Manhood, will come out of 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 13 and 14, short verses that you can remember and you can memorize. And here's what Paul said. He says, be on your guard, stand firm in your faith, be courageous, be strong, and do everything in love. Those are the five pillars. Be on your guard, that's number one. Stand firm in your faith, that's pillar number two. Be courageous, that's pillar number three. Be strong, that's pillar number four. And do everything in love, that's pillar number five. And what we're going to do as we journey through each one of these, these pillars, uh, one week we're going to spend looking at some guy, some guy in Scripture that was an epic fail. 
Uh, one of the things we always like to do is we like to laugh, YouTube. What, what do you watch on YouTube? You know what I like to watch on YouTube mostly? is somebody that got video of some dude really failing. Isn't that really why YouTube came about? Is, man, try something crazy, fail at it, and it'll get 100,000 views. That's the way it is. So we're going to look at some epic fails in God's Word, and God's Word tells, tells us about some epic fails. Then we're going to look at some epic successes. Who fulfilled that pillar well? Today we're going to look at an epic fail when it comes to the idea of be on your guard. It's a guy you and I all know of. He's a guy named Samson. How many of you have heard of Samson in the Old Testament? When you think of who Samson was, um, there was an old quote, old quote that I was uh, quote that I was thinking of where it says something like this: "Yeah, everything happens for a reason, but sometimes the reasons are that you're dumb and make bad decisions." How many of you ever heard that? Yeah, yeah, everybody said, well, you know, everything happens for a reason. I will tell you, there have been times over the years that someone will come and tell me something going on in their life and what's happening in their life. And I, I can just sit there and track back and say, well, you probably shouldn't have said that. You probably shouldn't have done that. Well, you shall, probably should have made a better decision. And yeah, you're right. Everything does happen for a reason. And God's got a plan and a purpose. And hopefully the plan and the purpose was God wanted you to know how dumb and stupid you were, right? And so we need to understand, sometimes bad things happen in our life because we make bad decisions. That's what we're going to see in Samson's life. All through Samson's life. And instead of him being on his guard over and over again, this is a dude that takes risk after risk after risk. Now, he, he's blessed by God. He's powerful. He's strong. Sometimes even in his sin, even in his fail, God uses him to strike down the Israelites' enemies. But many times, he just takes one risk after another risk after another risk. He plays with fire, plays with fire, plays with fire, and eventually it gets him burned. And so guys, as we begin to look today at this first idea of be on your guard, man, if you are somehow, some way, living your life like Samson did, man, he's a great example. You might get away with it once. You might get away with it twice. You get, might get away with it two or three or four or five times. But there's going to come a point when you're not going to get away with it. And it's going to cost you mightily. In, Samson in Samson's case, it cost him everything. And we're going to see a couple of uh, things in Scripture. Boy, the things that really um, caused Samson to fail so much were his, his uncontrolled lust. Almost every chapter it says, and he saw a woman, and he saw a woman, and then he saw another woman. And it's interesting, all the women he saw were not the kind of women you wanted to be with. But he had uncontrolled passion and lust. There are other times that we see uh, Samson talking to his parents, we're going to see these here in a few seconds, that, that he had an entitlement problem. He, he thought, you know what, I deserve that. I, I, I'm Samson, I want that. Go get that for me. And there are times in our lives where we think, hey, I deserve it. I'm just going to do it. I'm pretty good over here, so I'm going to go do this over there. I deserve it. Uh, entitlement. We're going to see pride. He's one of those men in Scripture that over and over and over thinks he can do anything he wants to and get away with it. And he just lets pride run amok. 
There are other times we see with uh, Samson is he's controlled by anger and rage. Anger and rage. That he's just uncontrollable in what he does. Now, God utilizes him to punish the enemies, but it didn't mean he's doing, he was doing what God wanted him to do. There, there are other times in Scripture that he's motivated by revenge. Because he's wanting to get back at someone else. And guys, as you look at those ideas of lust and entitlement and pride and anger and revenge, the question you need to ask yourself is not really about Samson. It's about you. Do you have a lust that is uncontrolled? Do you have an anger that you can't control? Do you feel entitled to things you know you shouldn't take or be around? Do you have rage or someone you've been mad at for a long, long time and you want revenge? And those things will take us down. Those things will destroy us. Uh, you know, the reality of it is very, very strong men become very weak when they can't control their passions. Very strong men become very weak when they can't control their passions in life. As you jump all the way down to Judges chapter 16, we're not going to spend any time here. Let me go to the end of Samson's story. It says in Judges chapter 16, verse 20, this is the part many of us know, and it's right after his encounter with Delilah. It says, Then she called Samson, the Philistines are upon you. He awoke from his sleep and thought, I'll get out of this just like I've done before. I'll shake myself free. But he did not know that the Lord had left him. Man, what an awful thought. He did not know that the Lord had left him. The downward spiral of uncontrolled passion and uncontrolled lust and uncontrolled anger and uncontrolled rage and the ongoing playing with fire and playing with fire and playing with fire not becoming who God wanted him to be. He got to a place as a guy who in spite of all of his failures, in spite of all of his weaknesses, had seen God mightily come upon him comes to the end of his life, and he did not know the Lord had left him. Guys, I don't ever want that to happen to you. I don't want it to ever happen to me. And so let this challenge each and every one of us. You know, one of the unique things about Samson and all of his failures, as we look at his life from Judges chapter uh, 13 all the way through Judges chapter 16, there's a con consistent phrase that comes up says, and the Spirit of the Lord came on Samson. And the Spirit of the Lord came on Samson. And the Spirit of the Lord came on Samson. We read that a number of times. There are times uh, when you consider what is going on in Samson's life, it shocks you that that phrase is there. That you're like, wait, Samson just did this, this, and this? And then the Spirit of the Lord comes upon him, and it almost doesn't make sense. You're sitting there going, this guy hasn't lived a pure life. He hasn't lived a righteous life. He's not honoring God. He's honoring himself, but God still moves in his life. 
And guys, there might be some people in this room or listening to this uh, online that there might be some people that that's the way you've been and God has still showed up for you. God has still showed up for you and God has still showed up for you in spite of how you're living. I've known great men over the years that have done some incredible things even though they had this sin in their life. But God still showed up. And so, guys, here's my point and my encouragement. First of all, we're going to see Samson as someone we need, we, need to, we need to receive instruction from his failures not to go down that same path. But it also ought to be a warning for us that if we are living with an unbridled passion and lust and anger and rage and revenge, that, yes, God might show up. But there might also be a day that God stops showing up. And that's the challenge. So here, who is this Samson guy? As we think about uh, really, uh, if we're going to be um, men who are the kind of men that God wants us to be. First of all, as we look and we think, and you can look back in Judges chapter 13, we won't read it today, is he was born and he was dedicated as a Nazarite. A Nazarite meant a couple of things. Is one, that word Nazar means to be set apart. He was supposed to be set apart. He was supposed to be a prophet of God. Uh, first, that means that he wasn't ever supposed to get a haircut. No razor was ever supposed to, uh, to, cut, to touch his hair. That's one thing. It's set apart. What, that was the outward sign that he was supposed to be separated to God. In other words, if you looked at a Nazarite, uh, you knew, oh, they must be taking the Nazarite vow. It was an outward symbol. It was a, a symbol that said, man, here's what I'm doing. I am being faithful to God. Now, most Nazarite vows were not for life, if you didn't know this. There were times that they would be for a year or two years or three years or perhaps even six months. Most Nazarite vows were not for life. But it seems that Samson's might have been. The second thing that a Nazarite didn't do is a Nazarite would not consume alcohol, would stay away from alcohol, and uh, from grapes or wine or barley or any kind of alcohol. They would avoid alcohol. If it was a temporary uh, Nazarite vow, it'd be for a season. Uh, if it was a lifetime, it'd be for lifetime. So the outward appearance... Then the inward commitment not to ever really be drunk with wine, to, to always be able to control your thoughts and passions and actions and emotions, that was it. And then the third aspect was not to be in the presence and not to touch a dead body. Why? That, that was to keep you pure and holy. So that was the overall commitment, is that as you journey through life, others would be able to look. That dude is a Nazarite. I can tell from his hair. That dude is not going to be drunk. He's not going to be around alcohol, and that dude is not going to defile himself. He's not going to touch dead bodies. Now, what we know about Samson's life is over and over and over again, he broke the vow, but the last one was the breaking of the cutting of the hair, which ultimately God says, this is the last straw. And guys, we never want to get there. And so as we think, how can we keep from getting to where Samson got Thought number one is this, and you might want to just write these down, is we have to be willing to listen to wisdom from others. Listen to wisdom from others. Man, guys, you've got to surround yourself. I have got to surround myself with others who will speak into my life wisdom. And sometimes I want you to know wisdom will tell you the truth 
even when it's a truth you don't want to hear. Wisdom will tell you the truth even when it's a truth you don't want to hear. Anybody ever had someone come to you and said, hey, look, what do you think? And uh, they tell you what they're thinking and they'll give you this idea and your thought in your mind is that is the dumbest thing I've ever heard of. And then you have to say, all right, what am I supposed to do? Am I, tell, am I supposed to tell them, no, that'll be fine, or that's a great idea? Or do you be honest with them? Say, I don't think that's a good idea. Man, wisdom is something we all need. We all need people around us and in our lives that will tell us the truth. Guys, you need to be in groups where you share what's going on in your life and your mindset and your relationships and your finances and your jobs and everything. And you need to bounce some ideas off some other guys. And wisdom then ultimately is going to tell you that is a bad idea. As we look here in his life, we see Samson early on rejecting the wisdom of his parents. Now, most of us in this room and most of us listening, we, God, we don't live with our parents anymore. If we do, I'll, I'll talk to you about that later. But So our parents aren't speaking into our lives, but there are others around us that are. And so notice what it says in, in Judges chapter 14, verse 1 to 4. Here it is. This is Samson beginning his long, slow descent towards moral chaos and ultimately devastation in his life. And it starts with him rejecting the wisdom of others in his life. So Samson went down to Timnah, this is verse 1, and saw a young Philistine woman, there it is, Philistine woman. When he returned, he said to his father and mother, I have seen, now notice what it is, uncontrolled passion, uncontrolled lust. I've seen a Philistine woman down in Timnah. Now get her for me as my wife. Now here's the wisdom. His father said, uh, hey, son, isn't there an acceptable woman among your relatives or among our people? In other words, are you really going to reject your identity? Are you going to walk away from who you are? Are you going to walk away from who God called you to be as an Israelite, as a prophet, as a judge, as a Nazarite? Are you actually going to go do this? And so they said, are, are there not ladies who are acceptable in our people and among our people? And he says, must you go to the uncircumcised Philistines to get a wife? But Samson said to his father, notice this rejection of wisdom, get her for me. She's the one, right one for me. What is he saying? He says, man, I'm entitled. I, I've got all this power, all this strength. I can do what I want. I understand, Dad. I understand, Mom, what you think. And I know what's good for other people, but I want what's right for me. And guys, as we think about that phrase, get her for me. She's the right one for me. People around you, when they speak wisdom into your life, you may not always like it, but if you have the right people speaking into your life, they will always tell you the truth. This was the beginning of the downward spiral, as we can tell in Samson's life, is that he had this uncontrolled and unconstrained lust of his eyes. Then he had an entitlement 
problem. He rejected wisdom. And if you don't know the rest of the story, he begins to almost break all of his Nazarite vows. So his parents finally concede. They go down. They, they say, all right, here's the arrangement. We're going to come down. And, and in those days, what they did is they didn't have a one-night bachelor party. They had a one-week bachelor party. And so Samson goes down, has a one-week bachelor party. Uh, and basically, it's a keg party. I mean, they're drinking, and guess what? That was part of the Nazarite vow. They're sitting there doing this. And in the midst of this whole thing, uh, Samson tells a riddle. And he just kind of engages with the guys, and he says, man, let me have a little fun with these guys. They're a bunch of knuckleheads, and uh, I'm way better than they are. And so he tells them the riddle, and he says, here's Samson's riddle. It's in verse 14. He says, if you can tell me the answer to this riddle, I'll give you 30 sets of clothes, not just a sh not 30 shirts, full sets of clothes. He goes, but if you can tell me, then I'll give you 30 sets of clothes. So here it is. He says, out of the eater, something to eat. Out of the strong, something sweet. For three days, they could not get the answer. So he's got this major bachelor party going on down there. He's got all the guys around. He tells them this riddle. He makes this bet with them. He says, if you can't get it, you got to give me 30, 30 sets of clothes. If, if you can get it, i got to get you 30 sets of clothes. And they're sitting there going, man, what is the riddle? 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 And they don't know ultimately. And then they go to this woman who is right for him. And they say, listen, if you don't get the answer, we're going to kill you. And so she starts crying, she starts whining, and sure enough, Samson tells her the answer. And what does she do? She tells them the answer. And they show up on the seventh day, and they say, Samson, here's the answer to the riddle. Now, first of all, he shouldn't have been down there trying to marry the wrong woman, surrounded by the wrong people, making bets with people he shouldn't have been making bets with. And then he lost. If you go read the rest of the story, here's what happened. So it's on the wedding night. They come and tell him the truth. They tell him the answer to the riddle. In a rage, he gets up, leaves, goes down to another town. You've got 30 unsuspecting dudes down there. He kills them and takes their clothes and pays off the bet. So this guy, he has not only made a bet in a place he shouldn't have been, with a woman he's trying to marry, with the people he shouldn't have been at, then he rolls down the road and kills 30 other unsuspecting dudes to make good on his bet. This guy is nothing but devastation. Can you imagine being the, guy, being the guys down the road? They're like, well, this crazy guy just came in town, just started killing everybody and taking our clothes. Now, it does say, to Samson's credit, he takes the clothes off of those 30 men back to the other men to pay off his debt. Now, I don't know about you, but can you imagine what those clothes look like? You know, can you imagine? It looks like there's a little blood splatter over here. Is, is, is this, has, has this recently been worn? But it says he gave them to him, and then Samson leaves. This whole event happens because he refused to listen to wisdom. Guys, are there people in your life who, are, uh, who, who you have given permission to speak wisdom into your life even when you don't like it? 
man, there are a lot of times that, um, that people want people to give them wisdom as long as it makes them feel good, as long as it blames someone else, as long as it points the finger at someone else. So thought number one, guys, do we listen to wisdom? When you sit here right now, and if I happen to share a bit of wisdom that really tweaks a dark spot in your soul, in your life, are you willing to listen? Are you willing to say, I'm good? But that's where Samson started the downward spiral, is he stopped listening to wisdom. Guys, don't ever let that be the case. He had uncontrolled passion. He burned with rage. And there were times in his life that he went back, threw the clothes at their feet. He left on the wedding night. You can read it. It says, the bride's father gave her away to a companion. So apparently the best man made out well. Samson gets pouty and mad, goes back to his home country. Then it says in the time of the harvest, Samson says, I'm going to go back down and I'm going to take my wife. Entitlement. Dude, you ultimately walked out on her on a wedding night. What did you think they were going to do? So the dad gives her away. So Samson takes a goat, rolls back in, and it says it's just like this. You can read it. It says Samson knocks on the door, walks past the dad, says, I'm going to go in and see my wife. And the dad says, whoa, uh, she's not your wife. We didn't know if you were going to come back, so we had her marry someone else. So what's his response? Yeah, I kind of messed that up. No, have you read the story? That's not his response. He flies off in a rage. He begins to blame them. He gathers up some foxes, he burns down their crops, and guess what? Their response, the town people's response, they said, man, who did this? And they said, Samson did it. And they said, why did Samson do it? Well, because that marriage, the father and the mother, and the townspeople go and burn them down and kill them. Have you noticed all the destruction that has taken place because Samson would not listen to wise counsel? So Samson's response is immediately, right? This is all my fault. No. That's not his response. Samson again gets mad and he says, you made me do this. And he goes and has a monstrous fight with them and kills a number of, another thousand men. Why? All because he wouldn't listen to wisdom. Guys, are you willing to listen to wisdom even when it hurts? Are you willing to let someone speak into your life even when it hurts? And I'll tell you, I've been on both ends of this, guys. Especially if you really love someone, the hardest thing to do is to tell them something that hurts, right? Especially... It's just hard when you love someone. I'll tell you what, there are times that people look at me and they'll tell me things that hurt, and if I know they love me, it hurts. But we've got to be willing to listen to wisdom. Here's the second thought as I think about Samson's life. First, he wouldn't listen to wisdom, caused him to epically fail. Here's the second thing, watch your eyes. 
Man, we see over and over again, Samson's first problem when he rejected wisdom was because he saw a woman that was right for him. Guess what? We come to the beginning of Judges chapter 16, and it's, it's the same thing. He saw a woman. Look at it. In Judges chapter 16, verse 1, it says, One day Samson went down to Gaza where he saw a prostitute. There it is. It was a woman here and it was a woman there. And, and at the end of the day, uh, you might be saying, Well, you know, it's not women in my life. Well, is it alcohol? What is it that constantly draws you away? Don't think if this isn't your your issue that this is not a real problem it is a real problem for men that we have these paths that we go over go down over and over again it says one day he went down to gaza where he saw a prostitute man it, it's incredible to think this way about samson but this might be you man samson was an incredibly strong man with an incredibly weak will he was an incredibly strong man with so much God-given potential, but with an incredibly weak will. And it says, he went down to Gaza where he saw a prostitute. There it is. Remember, uncontrolled passion, uncontrolled passion, lust again. He went in to spend the night with her. Where was he? He was in the wrong place with the wrong person, fulfilling the wrong passion. The wrong place, the wrong person, the wrong passion. The people of Gaza were told, Samson is here. So they surrounded the place. Remember, he's in the wrong place. He's not where he should be. And lay in wait for him all night at the city gate. They made no move during the night, saying, At dawn, we will ultimately kill him. Well, what's the ultimate story? He doesn't wait till dawn. Sure enough, Samson slips out. In the middle of the night, he leaves. So guys, what do we have to do? We have to make sure that we watch our eyes. Don't let our eyes draw us to the wrong places, the wrong people, the wrong things. Don't let our lust draw us with an, with, with an uncontrolled passion and put us in spaces and places. You know, part of the problem for Samson here is he got away with it. Is he got away with it. They were going to take him out at sunrise. He left in the middle of the night. Does the fact that he got away with it make it right? I'm going to ask that again, guys. Does the fact that he got away with it make it right? Absolutely not. And so, guys, here's the encouragement for you today. What are you doing in your life? that you're currently getting away with, but you know it's not right. And we might all have at least one or two of those spaces that I know this isn't right, but I hadn't gotten caught. My encouragement to you is make it right before you get caught. And you say, how do I know if it's the wrong thing? Probably it involves, like this situation, the wrong people and the wrong place. So thought number one is this, man, God had so much. And I just love the idea that he had a Nazarite vow on him. God's power came upon Samson over and over again in a mighty and a powerful way. But he rejected wisdom from others. He constantly followed his eyes into the wrong places, the wrong season. And then here's number three. 
in his epic fail. He consistently trusted the wrong people. He consistently trusted the wrong people. As you jump a little further down in, um, in Judges chapter 16, the wrong person that he trusted. Now is Delilah. How many of you remember the story of Delilah? Man, they, we, all, we all understand that. And uh, here it is, Samson again. Have you noticed three times it's a woman? I wish I could stand, stand up here and say, hey, let's blame the woman. I mean, wouldn't that be good? But how many of you have noticed it's three different women and one dude? Who was there for all the mistakes? That one dude. Guys, that's a challenge for us. I'm just going to tell you, Samson's problem wasn't the woman at Timnah. Samson's problem wasn't the prostitute at Gaza. Samson's problem isn't Delilah. Samson's problem was Samson. How many of you know that? Guys, your problem is not some woman. Your problem is not some boss. My problem is not some person in the neighborhood or somebody I can blame. My problem is me. Why? How do I know it's me? Because I'm always there at the scene of the accident. Everybody knows what I'm talking about, right? I always show up to the scene of my own accident. So some woman in your life is not your problem. Your boss is not your problem. Your job is not your problem. Guys, your wife is not your problem. Your kids are not your problem. Your kids can be a problem, but they're not your problem, right? Especially as they grow up. I mean, there's where we have to understand. That's where we just gotta be honest. Man, my biggest problem, just like Samson's biggest problem, is Samson. It's Samson. So here it is, let's just look, and, and here we are again. We've got another woman that is, is, is basically trying to pull it out of him. And again, guys, when we go into the story of Delilah, don't blame Delilah. This is a Samson problem. This is not a, a woman of ten uh, or a prostitute of Gaza or a Delilah problem. This is a Samson problem. But how many of us do this exact same thing? Here as we pick it up, read, sometime later... This is after the prostitute, after the woman in Timnah. Sometime later, he fell in love with a woman named Delilah. The rulers of the Philistines went to her and said, See if you can lure him into showing you the secret of his strength. What was the secret of his strength? Nazarite vow. All right. Uh, don't cut your hair so people will know you're separate. Nazar uh, means to be separate, to be holy, to be righteous. Don't cut your hair, don't get drunk with wine, uh, and don't touch dead bodies. What do we know? He had broken two out of those three early. Go back to the woman at Timnah. He threw a big keg party, they were drinking, guess what? Part one, Nazarite vow, gone. In that process, going back and forth, he had killed a lion, went back. And part of the riddle that he, that he exchanged with the guys was he scooped honey out, out of the carcass of a lion he had killed. And so he touched the dead body over and over again. My guess is those are a few examples, but over and over again. He had probably broke the Nazarite vow against drinking. He had probably mo broken the Nazarite vow about, uh, against uh, being defiled over and over again. But it seems that he kept that one place in that one space. Not going to cut my hair. And guys, maybe there is just one place left in your spiritual journey in life that you're holding on by a thread. Can I encourage you? Keep holding on. 
Don't give up on the last space. Now regrow those other spaces, but don't give up on that last thing. And here he does it. So he says, so Deliah said to him, Tell me your secret of your great strength and how it can be tied up and ultimately subdued in life. And then he, he says, then Deliah said to Samson, he, he gives her an answer. It's not the right answer. Then you jump down to verse 10. It says, then Delilah said to him, you made a fool of me. You lied to me. Come now, tell me how you can be tied up. Now, what are we seeing here? This is not a Delilah problem. This is a Samson problem, right? And, and so as you jump down, he lies to her again. Then you look at verse 13. Then Delilah said to Samson again, all this time, you've been making a fool of me and lying to me. Tell me how you can really be tied up. This is not a Delilah problem. This is a Samson problem. Then she said to him, how can you jump down to verse 15? How can you say, I love you? Now, by now, the bigger question is, Samson, why are you saying you love her, right? Everything she is about is deceiving you and stealing your strength and drawing you away from God. Why should you still be saying this? Why? Because of uncontrolled passion. Because of lust in his life. Because entitlement. He also thinks he can get away with it. And so she says, man, why even say that you love me when you confide in me? This is the third time you have made a fool of me and haven't told me the secret of your ultimate strength. Verse 16, with such nagging, she prodded him day after day until he was sick of it to death. I love that phraseology right there. She kept nagging him to death. Guys, do not go home and quote this <laughs> to your wife or significant other. But it is a great phraseology. She nagged him and nagged him and nagged him until he was sick of it to death. While I would not encourage you to quote this, how many of us know what this means? We've all been there, right? And I want you to know, it might not be Delilah in your life that is nagging you and nagging you and nagging you and nagging you. Some of you, it's an old addiction. Some of you, it's an old habit. Some of you, it's your rage and your anger. Some of you, it's an uncontrolled this or an uncontrolled that. And let me tell you what, Satan will nag you and nag you and nag you and nag you until you're sick of it to death. And in that moment, in that season, you'll give in. So that's why it's so important, guys, that we listen to wisdom. Stay out of the wrong places. Avoid the wrong people. Why? Because we're all prone to fail and to fail epically. So how did he respond? It says that she nagged him ultimately to death. So he told her everything. This is the final straw. He, he tells her what's going on. And now we come back to the verses we started. Verse 20, it says, Then she called, Samson, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. And he awoke from his sleep and thought, I'll go out just as before and shake myself free. 
Those tragic words, I believe, in all God's words right here. But he did not know the Lord had left him. Man, what an, what an incredibly tragic phrase. In some measure, if you read Samson's life with honesty, it shocks me the number of times, in spite of his uncontrolled passion, in spite of his sin, in spite of, his, in spite of him being in the wrong place or the wrong, it shocks me, it is shocking to me, the number of times it said, and the Spirit of the Lord came on Samson. Have you read it? I mean, I'm like, why? 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 It shocks me. You want to know why? Because God is a gracious God. God is a gracious God. There were times that God would show up in Samson's life when it seems like Samson deserved anything but God showing up in his life. Why? Because God's a gracious God. And guys, I want you to know, it doesn't matter what you've done. God wants to show up in your life right now. In spite of your uncontrolled rage or anger or passion or your addiction or your lust or whatever, God wants to show up right now regardless of how you've been living. But I want you to know, don't assume that God's going to show up and save you every time from your own sins. Don't assume He's going to do it. Man, what a tragic thought. But he did not know the Lord had left him. Look at verse 21. The Philistines came in, they seized him, they gouged out his eyes and took him down to Gaza, binding him with bronze shackles. And they set him to grind grain in the prison. Man, as tragic as this is, The bigger question is, what'd you expect? Right? What did you expect? This is tragic. The man of God, the guy who had been given so much God-given ability, has his eyes gouged out, he is shackled, and he is grinding grain. How many of you would agree that is a tragic end? But the bigger question is, what do you expect? You rejected the wisdom in your life. You were constantly going to the wrong places and the wrong people. You had uncontrolled passion, uncontrolled lust, uncontrolled rage, uncontrolled anger. You never took anybody's wise counsel. You always blamed somebody else. At what point did Samson ever in one time in his life say, this is my fault? Never! Guys, if you live your whole life constantly blaming this person and this person and that person and that group, you will never come to grips to the space where, man, some of this is my fault because of my sin. What else could he have expected? I, I mean, honestly, guys, did Samson kind of deserve this? Didn't he? I mean, let's be honest. If I read the story, he deserved it long before this, didn't he? But the beauty of it is, if you keep reading, it says, it's in hair, and his hair began to grow, and his strength began to return. Guys, maybe you feel like Satan has gouged your eyes out. 
Maybe you feel like you've been taken off what you thought was a path to really serving God in a powerful and a real way. And all you're doing right now is grinding grain sightless in a meaningless way. Can I tell you this? Just like scripture says, his hair began to grow. What is he saying? The Spirit of God was willing to return. Guys, I want to invite us all as we close right now to bow our heads. And I want to pray over you because Samson ultimately received his power back. But he wasted his life. Guys, I don't want this to be you. And if you're playing too close to the fire with this temptation and this sin and this person and this place, your reckless behavior will ultimately destroy you and those around you. Samson had so much potential. God showed up in his life so many times. But he kept ignoring the warning signs. Guys, don't let that be us. God, I pray for every man in this room. I truly believe, God, that just as the Spirit of God came upon Samson time and time again, that the Spirit of the living God wants to come upon men in this room so he can use them mightily for his kingdom. God, I pray for every man who's listening, who's here today, for those who have uncontrolled lust, that they would confess that and begin to walk away. Those who feel entitled to just take what they want and say, I deserve this or I deserve that, that they would confess that. Those who have pride those who have anger problems. God, I pray that they would all confess in such a way that we can be strong again in the right ways, in the right spaces, in the right day. God, let us be men who are led by the power of your spirit, not by the power of uncontrolled emotions. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to today's episode of Men's Bible Study. For more information about Cottonwood Creek Church, visit cottonwoodcreek.org. That's cottonwoodcreek.org.